Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, everybody, and welcome to XYZ, the podcast about CNC, automation, robotics, technology, and more. My name's Aaron Goff. I'm the owner of Goff Custom, and I'm joined today by Nick Frank, an extremely frustrated Nick Frank, because we've just spent the last half an hour battling fucking technical issues. I'm out uh, of breath. <laughs> you're, you're already done. Yeah. We. It's really funny. We actually just started recording the podcast, except I didn't press record. And I, I, I gave you all my best stuff. Right yeah. at the beginning. I know, right? I know. What have you been up to this week, mate? How are things going? Things are good. Um, it's been a busy week for production and a busy week for getting our Haas up and running. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. which has been super exciting. Yes, you showed me it doing a tool change before. I did. did. That's the only thing I know how to do now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Was it brown trousers time the first time that you did a tool change on that? No, I mean, I, I think I knew what to expect, but it is fast. Now, though, I'm like could be faster <laughs> is there a faster setting is there a, a plaid setting um no i think that's i mean it, it's i'm just kidding it is it's fast. shockingly fast yeah. yeah one i think it's one and a half seconds yeah fast enough then you're not going to get your hand out of the way <laughs> yes but it does have door your yours might not have this but it's got yes. an interlock or something i think that's what it's called yes uh, my machines you, do not have that <laughs> you can just get right in there with a oh yeah with a pinky or an index, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever you feel like losing that day. Yeah. So is it fully set up now? Are Haas, are Haas coming in to commission the machines? It's or? commissioned. So when we got it, it was uh, in a state of like the preparedness for shipping. Right. Um, so they they like lock the spindle down to the, the table. Um, they cover the whole thing in this gnarly blue grease. Blue? Like, yeah, it's a thick layer of blue oh, grease. I'm used to the Cosmoline, you know, the, the Russian AK-47 grease, that, that brown stuff. Oh, I don't know. I've never had an AK, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is a nice uh, shade of blue. Ooh, uh, and um, yeah, so and then, yeah, it's got some protective stuff on it. And, the, and then the controller is inside the in a box inside the oh. um the cnc the enclosure oh. and uh yeah then they just they come in scrape all that blue grease up leave it in a pile on my floor is that really what they did <laughs> yeah oh, well not on the floor directly uh, on on a piece of cardboard oh. but it took the guy all day yeah. he didn't go to the bathroom once i didn't see him take lunch break he was dedicated <laughs> wow yeah, good. he got the job done. So, are you guys getting like a training session or something on the machine? Or if you're yeah, or? yeah, we will. We will get a training session. Um, we're debating whether or not we're going to take it right away mm. or save it for when we, you know, need to ask more, maybe less basic questions rather. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny because you know I've been playing around with it, and every time I have a like, I think of a question or I want to look something up, I just Google it, and there's a YouTube video for it. Like Haas is amazing like that. There's just so much, so many online resources, so much online content. Yeah. One of the things I really love about Haas is the, um, there's a, I think it's DIY.haas.com and you can go on there and actually like buy parts for your machine. Oh, you just put in the serial number of your machine and then it shows you like every part that you can purchase for that machine. No way. Yeah. 
I hope to not have to do that anytime soon. Well, sure, but like... <laughs> it's I, nice you know, that you can. Yeah, and that's one of those things that I wonder about immediately. Whenever oh, I look sure. at a, a new machine, I'm like, where do I get parts for this? How much do they cost? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we were always... We had a, like, Haas was our uh, top pick, but we did look at, at other machines and we did our due diligence and um, the, it just didn't seem like you had the, that same those same resources with a lot of other machine tools. So we looked at like Doosan because uh, Paul Reed Smith guitars, yeah. they have Doosan machines uh, and Doosan's are really cool. I think they're a bit more big, bigger, more robust maybe. Is that how it's uh, pronounced? Doosan. 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 What was I saying? Doosan. 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 <laughs> um, I've heard it. Uh, I've heard it said a few different ways, but right. Yeah, I mean, those are cool. And then we looked at uh, like a CR Ons rod, which is more mm-hmm. like a traditional woodworking uh, router. Like a router. But, yeah, but yeah, I mean, the resources are just crazy. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And they do all those like. Um, tip of the week stuff and uh, like, yeah they really do get into the really cool. pretty cool. yeah what's that guy's name Mark Terryberry yeah that's the one it's a great name yeah very meaningful so how have you been I've been good busy this week um, got knives back from DLC coding on Monday oh exciting. nice how did they turn out good actually I had only one only one that needs recoding which is fantastic out of 40 that's, that's a pretty good ratio wow yeah. That is really good. Is that the best you yet, or have you received a 100%? I've return? received a 100% batch. Ooh, the problem is, is nice. I've had 100% batches both ways. I've had uh, 100% <laughs> acceptable and 100% rejects. Right. Which, the so latter is never nice. You're never sure what, which way the, the scales are going to balance for you? That's a little bit. Like, oh. But the thing I'm most excited about this week is um, I'm actually working on design for a robotic sandblasting pattern. Oh, you've mentioned this to me before, and I'm trying to picture it because, like, I'm I, I picture a robot obviously holding a sandblasting gun, <laughs> right? And that would be a pretty straightforward way to do it if you just have like money at the wazoo, right? Like a robotic arm, yeah, yeah. Um, but basically, what I'm doing is so it has two parts. It has a part that holds the knife and rotates it. So it holds the knife vertically, like hanging down, and then it rotates it around from that axis. And then it has another part that holds the sandblasting gun. And it can move the sandblasting gun up and down, and it can also angle it up and down, 45 wow. degrees, um, or 90 degrees in total. So there's the, 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 it's on a linear rail? Yeah. It, I mean, so basically the structure's a bit weird because like, the inside of a sandblasting cabinet is like the most horrible possible environment for a mechanism for sure any yeah. kind you know, high blood high pressure abrasive sand flying around everywhere so basically it's the whole mechanism is contained within a bellows um the bellows is actually like a vacuum vacuum hose or it's going to be a vacuum hose um because actual bellows are incredibly expensive it's like 300 bucks per bellows on each two of them going on yeah um so it's four round um, ground steel rods that act as the linear rails and then the carriage that moves up and down has like a seesaw in the middle of it and the seesaw has a pivot that acts as the, the middle part of the seesaw and that pivot actually protrudes out of the side of the carriage and then it's driven by two belts so if you pull up on both of the belts or if the motors pull up on both of the belts the whole carriage moves upwards but if you just move one belt or you move them in opposite directions, then it pivots. And that's oh. the mechanism that drives the, the sandblasting gun. Very cool. Yeah. So it's going to be super fun because I've designed it so that all of the mechanical parts are 3D printed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like it's either bought from McMaster, laser cut from sheet steel, or 3D printed. That's like so the, the outside enclosure is all laser cut from sheet metal. So you're making the enclosure. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's from scratch. Wow. That's so cool. It's yeah, it's one of the more complicated 3D models I've ever done, that's for sure. Really? Yeah. But it's gonna be I can't explain to you how much I hate sandblast. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. You, well once you get that uh sorted out, you can come in and uh automate our uh spray booth. Well, I was actually thinking about that because I feel like this exact same mechanism would probably work pretty well for mm-hmm. spray booth applications. The only problem is when you're trying to like get in behind the horn. 
on the guitar, things like that, where there's, there's yeah. not really like a clean line of sight. Yes. You know, I think that's kind of the spot where you like really need like a proper robot. Um, yeah. Now I've seen, um, I've seen spray setups where they just have um, a sort of a spray head in the middle of a room. And that's just, it's got a 360 degree fan pattern and the, the guitar is moving up and down, turning side to side. Oh. Um, and then also, I think sometimes, like that's really good for acoustic guitars, but yeah, like for electrics with cutaways, I think sometimes when they have these setups, they just go in there after and hand spray the cutaways. Oh, interesting. Do they, so I know that they do some electrostatic stuff with NBF. Yeah. Can you do electrostatic with? A guitar body is that a thing? I I know that people do it. Yeah, like Taylor guitars. I'm pretty sure it's uh, interesting. They they charge. They negatively charge the guitar. Positively charge the um, yeah. the lacquer. Because my understanding is that that makes the the spraying process a lot more forgiving. I would imagine the charge is kind of like evening out your spray pattern. So yeah, yeah, um, and. Uh, and you're getting way less overspray, I believe, as well. Yeah. Which is cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah, I, I'd love to do that. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I, I saw it the other day that Torma are releasing a six axis robot arm. Really? Wow, yeah. those guys do it all. Yeah, so they're the new one. I think it's like a 20 kilogram. Let me, let me double check real quick. I think it's like a 20 kilogram payload on this robot um, for like 20 grand. Wow. Yes, of course. But like, that's that's pretty good. Um, what are those? UR is it? UR robots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, are, those aren't wildly expensive either, are they? They're like, well, I mean, twenty k ish, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so in the same ballpark, right? Yeah, that's for the five kilogram payload one. I ah. But there's also another difference too, though, which is the the universal robotics arms are cobots, collaborative robots, right? So if you don't need any yeah. like shielding or guarding around them. You can have a person like in close with them. Right. Way. If it bumps into you, it it, it, it has stops. a yeah yeah a low Whereas meter. I'm not sure that the Tormark one is. Ooh, I think that's that, that's interesting that they they would not make it that way because I feel like their applications are more um, focused towards smaller smaller shops. manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, Cobot would make more sense then. And the collaborative robots are really cool. Like I went to, um, I'm not sure if you've been to this yet, the, the Canadian Manufacturing Technology Show. No, I, I mean, I signed up recently because yeah. I'm like, um, who knows if it's going to happen, but I want right. to go. So I've been twice and it's amazing. There's tons yeah. of robots and lasers and CNC machines and stuff. And the coolest part is a lot of the CNC machines are running. You know, yeah. the robots are moving. Um, but yeah, they had a demo where there's an uncaged collaborative robot. So it's out in the open. And you can just go up and like smack it and it stops, you know, it waits for a minute and then it starts moving again and you can just like stick your head in the way. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't give it a knife and then stick your head in the way. Right? But, <laughs> yeah. But, but you um, would, but if you were, had a robot in your shop, you would give it a knife. Oh, I definitely would. <laughs> definitely. I actually, um, I, on Kijiji, which is our, you know, that, that's our like local, Craigslist or whatever, you know, they use use stuff online. I found a guy that was selling a six-axis Kawasaki robot arm for like three grand. It was like oh, a really? little baby one too. It was only like two yeah, and a yeah. half feet tall. I had to work so hard to make myself not buy that thing. <laughs> um, that's where you go from being like, you know, Aaron, uh, the knife maker in his shop you know, working hard to evil scientist. Yes, 100%. Because I'd be immediately like, how many knives can I mount on this thing? Yeah, it would corrupt you for sure. Yeah, how wildly can it <laughs> flail them around? Yeah, you just yeah. start throwing them and <laughs> teaching it, uh, yeah, jujitsu. I don't know. So on, uh, on the topic of going to mad science, uh, kind of, it just reminded me of this. I posted a YouTube video today, which was exciting. You did? Yeah, I did. And um, so in the video, I'm showing some hard milk of a knife blade. And one of the comments on the video, someone wrote, why don't you just learn to grind the bevels by hand? <laughs> That's jokes. <laughs> and I, I was just like, 
So I, but that got me to thinking, like, you know, we, you and I both make a conscious decision to use CNC in our yeah. processes rather than doing stuff like that. Yeah. Like, because seen, we've done it by hand before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've seen you guys build guitars by hand. I've made knives by hand. Like, what do you think drives you the most to use CNC rather than doing stuff like that? Uh, I, th- I think maybe once the uh, you hit a certain volume, mm. it just becomes not as practical to do it by hand. Um, I mean, and there, there probably are places that, that maybe are doing high volume and doing it by hand. Uh, but I mean, this is the technology we have available to us and like CNCs excite me. They think, I think they're cool. So like, I, I mean, before CNCs were available, if we were back in like the, I don't know, sixties or seventies, I probably would have thought a, the, a pin router was the coolest thing ever. Yes. And that would have excited me. And I would have embraced that technology. Yeah. And I would have um, been into like cam driven screw machines and stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. And I mean that this stuff that stuff still is really cool, and I could see myself getting into that if uh, if you know I wasn't bitten by the CNC bug. But I mean, it's the it's so cool. I mean, yeah, yeah so, that's I don't cool. know. I mean, it's funny because there's this whole like uh, you know handmade or we always joke. It's like people people will say like my guitars are made by hand. No C and C. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that whole argument bugs me too because it's what? like, well, I showed someone the other day commented on one of my older videos where I'm using manual milling machine, belt grinder, drill press, you know, and they're like, well, with all that equipment, it's not like hand made, is it? And I was <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. well, buddy, don't look at my newer videos. Like, yeah, you know, you're not going to like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. For me, I was thinking about it after this guy asked this question, you know, because I don't know, like, whenever you, whenever somebody says something like that online, I, I feel like I have two options. I can either, like, take offense to it and be like, fuck you, buddy, you know, like, get uh-huh. wrecked. Or I can be like, okay, let's treat this as, like, an innocent question. Like, what what is the answer? You know? mm-hmm. um, and for me, it's honestly, it's really about maintaining my sanity. Like, I can't imagine, you know, like, I know other knife makers that will just grind blades for, like, five hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't do it. I don't, I don't have like the mental fortitude to do that. I would go nuts. I would, I would stop making knives. Yeah, the the process would start to lose its charm, and oh, like you become a robot, robot yourself, just doing yeah. it. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, we when we were building them by hand, we attempted to work within the same tolerances we try to work to within now. And it was just, it just took a lot more time. And then, you know, if you're like roughing out the neck of a guitar, 90% of that is, is a waste of time. I mean, it's got to be yes. done, but yeah. there's no value in that. Yeah. So we still will hand carve necks, but we get it to within a very close, uh, you know, uh, size and shape. Before you start going for it. Yeah. Because all, all that roughing was... That's that's not for a skilled laborer to do. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a waste of time. It's just going to cost the customer more money. I mean, we'd have to charge three times as many. The first year we we made guitars, we didn't have a CNC um, in this shop that we're in now, and it we built maybe like six guitars that year, maybe eight. <laughs> right, and that's not a sustainable business unless you're it's not a sustainable like business. Twenty k guitar, fifty k a guitar, or something. Yeah, unless you want to just throw bodies at it, like. This is the person that carves next. This is the person that yes. joins tops. You know, it's like you've got thirty people in a shop doing it. Well, and that's the opposite of automation. That's kind of the um, the luddite way. You would, you would, you know, employ a lot of people. No one would make very much money, and it would be hard, dangerous work. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, maybe maybe you could make it work. Sounds gritty. Uh, <laughs> it does sound gritty. <laughs> Uh, whatever. I mean, it's it's fine. I, I think ultimately, it's the end uh, end result that matters, and who cares how you got there as long as you know uh, nobody was harmed in the making of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer to keep all my bits still attached. Mm-hmm. You haven't lost any? No, I did. Well, I think I was talking to Craig about that a couple of episodes. I did come close a couple of times. Really? 
Yeah, one was in box 47. I nearly lost probably most of my left hand to that table saw. To the table saw? Yeah, so the table saw that was in this shop, as you remember, was it was, what, a five-horsepower cabinet saw. No guard, no splitter, no riving knife, no, no safety features of any kind. Just a mm-hmm. blade sticking out of the table, you know. And, um, yeah, I was cutting, like, a roughly square piece of, like, quarter-inch thick MDF. And, you know, I don't use a table saw very often, so my technique probably doesn't forgo this, but the, the back left-hand corner of the square piece of wood caught the back, like, the rising edge of the oh, saw yeah. blade. The back, yeah, yeah. And it pulled the whole sheet of wood across diagonally, across the blade, and uh, it took my hand with it. Oof. Yeah. And then it fired the bit of wood into me. Like, and then <laughs> I had good to measure. Back. Yeah, it fired <laughs> the bit of wood into me, and then it stuck in the wall behind me. Oh, yeah, and then I never touched that table saw again. I was just like, "Really? Fuck this!" Yeah, uh, that sounds scary. I've never had anything quite so close. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the the piece of material, especially when you're doing like sheet goods, climbing mm-hmm. up the saw, yeah, uh, blade is a like I think that's a common uh, way to get yourself into trouble because people all of a sudden see the blade is isn't there anymore because they try the materials to like push their are, hand down right yeah, yeah exactly right. so you see people lose like three fingers always in the same place from doing that yeah. from pushing the saw <laughs> the piece of wood back down Ooh. Yeah, it's terrifying Ooh. and this is one of the other reasons why i like cnc stuff so much right because it keeps me far away from all the spinning dangerous bits yeah except you still want still want to stick your head right in there don't you yeah there are times when you you just, I mean, you get comfortable. I my our our gantry mill is completely open, and I'll like get right up to it to a router, but just with like, you know. And that's bad too, because on a traveling gantry router like on yours, the spindle itself can move at. You. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Whereas... and, and sometimes you forget. You're like, oh, this program jogs uh, across the table rapid, like it rapids randomly, yeah. or like you know, to go to the next operation, you forget about that. Yeah, 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 and then it's bumping into you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whereas on a VMC, it's a little bit safer because the spindle only moves up and down, and you're only moving set. So, you know, to get yourself in trouble, you would have to put your hand directly into the cutting tool or underneath the cutting tool, and then have it wrap it through your hand. Or something. Right. You ever just look at that spinning bit though and go, Ooh, huh, "What would happen?" I just, if I just grabbed it. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there are stories on Practical Machinists, you know the the machinist forum where people are like oh Haas machines are so shitty you can totally just reach in and grab the spindle and stop it oh uh, no who are they telling that to you know like maybe the if there's something machinists? deeply wrong with this Haas like maybe they, but even I wouldn't then, do that like, to a to a handheld <laughs> wood router no god no like try and grab the collet up by hand or something one thing I've gotten in the habit of doing is probably bad but totally not actually that sketchy is when I turn like the um, drill press off mm. and I want to, cause I want to like change the, the drill bit. I'll just grab the, the chuck <laughs> to stop it. <laughs> are you wearing gloves while you're doing it? No, that would be more dangerous. Well, I just yes, grab, yes, I just put my hand around it and slow it. I just use my hand as a brake. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm, you're allowed to say that on the podcast. Right. I do not condone this practice. Don't uh, call WSIB on me. Yeah, please. but I I learned this. I I witnessed uh, a guitar maker do that, and I was like, hmm, "That's smart." Just <laughs> no, it's not smart. Just because someone else is doing it doesn't mean you should be doing it. It saves me f- seconds though on <laughs> drill bit changes. Seconds, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't be actually, held liable for recommending that technique, right? Okay, so do you just have like a single phase motor on your drill press? Yes. Why didn't you check a three phase motor on there and a VFD? Well, I suppose I could, but I don't know. You want me to Tim the Toolman tailor my uh, drill press? I actually ended up with a spare three-phase motor. So I'll give you the motor to stop you doing that stupid thing. (laughs) I'll film a video and I'll send it to you. It's not as, I said, it's not as sketchy as it sounds. These things, these things are slow. Sure. Yeah, that means I've got a lot of talk. Come back and talk to me when when you've been degloved. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah now that i wear a wedding band thank you oh. thank you <laughs> um and yeah. you wear that in the shop too oh eh? uh, yeah yeah i do 
We're supposed to be giving people good advice on the show, Nick, not bad advice. This is practical advice. Uh, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> You're not even going to make it to the sec- end of the second episode. You're going to fire All right, let's talk about some stuff that's less dangerous. Space. The Final Frontier? Yeah. That yeah. sounds wildly dangerous. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I look, have you ever heard what happens if you just like go out in space with no spacing? I've seen what happens in sci-fi movies. Wait, was it... Uh, you freeze to death immediately. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right after all your fluids boil out of your And mind. then you shatter. Oh, someone hits you with like a little... Well, I, so I don't know whether you... So this is this is a, a recurring segment on the show. You're going to have to get used to space news. I don't know if you're interested in space in Hawaii. I like it. Yeah, it's like cool. as a concept. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I, I've dabbled in uh, um, space. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. I'm just going <laughs> to bail you out. I'm going to bail you out. So I don't know if you saw that uh, SpaceX was chosen as the sole provider for lunar landings for the US uh, US's Artemis project. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So they're going to be landing people and equipment on the moon. With the goal of like setting up a base there, really moon base, yeah. moon base. It's like some Doctor Evil stuff, James Bond, right? But honestly, man, it's hilarious. So there were three entries: uh, Dynetics, uh, I think it was. Oh, the National Team, which is like the United Launch Alliance and a bunch of other American companies, and then SpaceX. And the other companies had these tiny little dinky landers, like like the Apollo missions, you know, little and cute. And SpaceX were like, "We're just going to land in the parking lot." They, they oh. showed, yeah, because it's it's Starship. It's their their like main land, their main rocket that they're working on. But it's yeah. like this thing's like a hundred meters tall, or like sixty meters tall. Like it's huge. Um, and so all the other companies, their proposals were these like little cute dinky landings, you know, <laughs> take like two people and be cramped. And it's SpaceX are like, no, nah, I don't worry about it. We'll just land an apartment building. You can send like twenty astronauts. We'll be fine. So what? They must have had a way bigger budget then. No. That's no. the crazy thing. They were the ones that were asking for the least money. Oh, you never go with the cheapest contractor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's honestly, it's just because they're reusing a lot of their right. equipment, right? Yeah. Whereas everybody else is like throwing stuff away, you know. Unless they have some of the one of those unplanned rapid disassemblies, is that what it's called? Yeah, rapid unscheduled disassembly. <laughs> Run. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, they might have one uh, later this week. They're actually going to be trying another Starship launch, like another launch of one of their prototype vehicles this week on oh, cool. Friday. And is that why you watch it, for the crash? Well, the crashes are exciting, especially because there's no one on them. So you can you can be like, yeah, and you don't have to feel like, oh, someone just died. No, no, there's a, there's, the crashes are nice, but it's also super cool when they actually land something. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. wild that they're doing that. Just popping it down right on the t- right on target. Yeah, seriously. Um, and it's literally, so like the new rocket, their plan for it to reduce costs is it's not going to have landing legs. It won't need them because it's going to land right back in the launch cradle. So like the, the like super close fitting assembly that holds the rocket up when they're launching it, they're going to land it back in that. That's nuts. That seems like too tight a tolerance. Right. So yeah, like we're, we're thinking, you know, thousands of an inch for them in this case, like half a meter would be like. Yeah. Disaster. That's crazy. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I like how um how brave they are. They just they just come up with these wild ideas and shoot and then just go for it. They go just try. for it. Yeah. yeah. It's inspiring. Well, yeah, and that's actually why I think that I associate with them so much because they really are like um doing the startup mantra as right. a bigger company. You know, they're they're move forward, fail fast, you know, like just not try not cheap. <laughs> well, actually, the funny thing is, like, they're cheaper than the competition. That's why. So, so, like, their main competition in the States is ULA, the United Launch Alliance, which is, I think it's Northrop Grumman and Boeing. I can't remember who the two companies are that are kind of in this joint venture. But their, their approach is, like, everything has to work the first time. Um, everything will be engineered so that it can never, ever fail, even right. during development. You know? right. And that means that 
So there are two um, companies in the States that were contracted for what they call the commercial crew missions, which is where they're going to send astronauts to the International Space Station. And the only company that has actually managed to send payload or astronauts to the International Space Station is SpaceX. Really? And the other company that got like almost double the money, Minority Launch Alliance, they haven't even like gotten their launch system working yet. They have like old Atlas rockets and stuff that they're kind of been using, but they haven't sent anything to the International Space Station. They're too picky. I don't know. It's just a really interesting. So in software, there's two kind of approaches, which is the waterfall system, which is where you have big releases once a year or something, right? And everything has to come together for that big release. You know? And then there's the modern, more modern approach, which is called agile, which is where you you build things a little bit at a time, you release weekly, you, you know, everything's getting tested together often because you're kind of building everything at the same time. And I see United Launch Alliance and SpaceX as like kind of the physical representation of those two like software development methodologies. You know, ULA is trying to do everything and it has to all come together at the end and work there. Mm-hmm. And SpaceX is trying a bunch of different stuff. They're fine with rockets blowing up in the meantime during testing. You know? Yeah. But they're going to move fast and like find out what doesn't work. I think that's really cool. It's definitely more exciting. Well, and not to be completely off topic, but it does have a lot of useful things to teach us in small businesses too. Right? Like SpaceX are kind of doing the lean development thing. Right? Like right. They're they're changing constant improvement. They're doing Kaizen. You know, they're they're right. you know keeping everything as minimal as possible. Um, including like building out launch infrastructure and even like, processes and stuff. They're going to try it at a small scale before scaling up. Mm-hmm. Whereas ULA is like, our engineers have decided on this method and we're going to follow this to its logical conclusion. They're an eggs and all in one basket type. Yeah, that at least that's been what I've, I've seen. You know? And that's not to take anything away from like the people that are working super hard inside ULA. It's it's a different management philosophy. That if you if you're listening. Say. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening, please don't drop a rocket on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I am super excited for you with that Haas, dude. Like, it, you're you guys are going to have your business go to the next level over the next little while. Yeah, I mean, I I hope I hope it uh, makes the diff- uh, like some difference. It it certainly is going to be faster, more repeatable. I think. Um, more, you know, the the fact that it's a more robust machine, we're going to have less mm-hmm. issues. Certainly, well, we won't have similar or the same issues that we've been experiencing. It's going to be interesting, though, because I, I kind of feel like this. So with the, the sandblasting project that I'm doing, you know, I'm taking some time away from production. I yeah. I have to, to work on this thing that will hopefully make production better in the future. And you're kind of going to have to do the same thing. With, I know. Um, it's already su- sucked up some of uh, some of my production time because still in the shop like tim and i are still doing a huge amount of the labor um and we we like doing it but in order to grow the business we sort of need to start to hand off some of that labor uh and like that's that's part of why you know bringing this new cnc machine in um we're going to be able to increase our production uh, and hopefully be able to hand off maybe some of that like operating that machine because mm-hmm. it should be simpler. Like we're gonna get, we're gonna really try to dial it in. There's a lot of like random stuff that's just kind of up in my 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 brain uh, operating the current machine. Kind of like it's just a little bit finicky. So hopefully, yeah, we won't be having to like change out sets of tools and stuff. There's a lot less to like yeah. screw up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sense. So we're we're gonna set this machine up for for production. Yeah. Um, and then that might, that might be something I could be able to hand off. And, yeah. you know, we, what we'd like to do is start doing new product development. Um, you know, uh, just being, you know, running the business more lean, uh, trying to you know, increase production, increase efficiencies, do the, do those fun projects like building, a sandblasting robot. I don't have a need for that right now, but I want spray spray painting robot. Spray painting robot. Is, is that something that you guys would look at in the future, like getting a universal robotics arm? And like, because with, with those ones, I believe you can teach them. You can yeah, like you hold can. it and like yeah. teach it. You know? Yeah. Oh, like oh, to use for spraying. Yeah. I wonder if like the 
the motion would be right for that. Because say if there was a big pause, like if it had to pause between two motions, and it's just like you know blasting your guitar with lacquer <laughs> that whole time. Just a big puddle of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, we're interested in that stuff. We we, we tend to take the road of uh, the path of slow growth, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, all that stuff is is super exciting. I take that path too, just because I don't have enough time to do anything it's... faster than slow growth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you if you say it like you mean, like you planned for it, that's your style. Then you know, it makes. It I better. plan for growth so slow, you can't <laughs> even really see it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you, everyone knows the story of the tortoise and the hare. Very good. What uh, about the snail and the tortoise? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which one are you? Which one am I? <laughs> I'm the snail. I'm the snail for sure. So I don't know what? if you saw or um. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna. I was. I was hoping for an update in, at your shop. Oh, in terms work. of like what I'm working on. Uh, yeah, where you're at. It's it's you're it's you just you in the shop right now. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, I guess we talked a while back. Now like moving to the bigger shop out in Scarborough, and I brought on my buddy Mike to work with me. Yeah. Um, and like that that was good. Like I really liked Mike. You know, it seemed like you guys were cooking. Yeah, we were, we were getting a lot of stuff done, but I found it really, really stressful. And I found that I wasn't doing any of the extra stuff that I had wanted to do. Right. Because I was so stressed. Right. Like any time that I had to myself, I basically like lay face down on my couch and was like, oh God, I'm so stressed out. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, just because fixed expenses were huge and if there was ever a month when uh, sales didn't keep up, then I would just get like snowed under by fixed expenses. And, you know, yeah. it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, so yeah, like now I'm in a much smaller shop, only 500 square feet. I've gone back to being solo, which is, um, good and bad. Like I like having everything happen on my schedule. That's really yeah. nice. I don't have to like show up for an employee, you know, I don't have to like do extra work on a Sunday because the employee needs it on Monday. Right. Um, but I do really miss the like social interaction. I'm like a hermit. <laughs> You know, especially yeah. during COVID, like I don't, I you know, I haven't seen any of my close friends in person. Oh, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, because you then, used to when you were at the old other shop before on Carlaw, you would have like lunch with Jeremy every day. Basically. Yeah, so like Nick, Nick knows that there's this other guitar maker that was in my building, um, and he, the this other guy Jeremy and I got along really well, and so he and I would have lunches together every day, and you know, like we were kind of supporting each other as both like solo entrepreneurs it was great um and there are some people like that in the new building some i don't really see eye to eye with <laughs> let's okay. put it that way and others i do but because of the whole covid thing like oh, i'm yeah. not going to be like going around to people's shops and having lunch with them, right? <laughs> um so yeah it's been a bit weird it's been kind of isolating um but despite all that the stress has been a lot lower because the fixed expenses are like insane that's really nice yeah Yeah. overhead is is scary a scary thing a hundred percent you know so like last week i was i so i got behind on my production schedule as of like a couple of weeks ago and so i worked extra hard to catch up and i sent a batch of plates out to dlc for coding and then i just took last week off oh so nice yeah and i can do that because i have the flexibility that i don't have an employee that i have to keep busy yeah, and my overheads are low enough that like a week off isn't good for me. And it was a convenient gap in the process because I was just waiting for plates to come back from DLC, which normally takes like a week. You know, so I worked wow. on the sandblasting cabinet um, stuff. You know, like you did like days off at the shop. No, like, I didn't. I didn't do days off at the shop. I stayed home. But, oh, so uh, okay, you worked on the sandblasting cabinet in cat in cat. Yeah, in cat. Yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, because this man, there's a lot of pad work on this thing. Yeah, like, and also actually, so one thing that might be of interest to the listeners and like to you, like for designing custom machinery, like one of the things that's the biggest pain in the ass is like, oh, you have a door, you need to put a door handle on this thing, but like, you know, how far apart are like the holes for the bolts that hold that door handle on? Like, how much clearance do you need for those bolts? You know, when you open the door, like where does the door handle go, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And the most amazing resource for me is McMaster Car have three D models of like yeah. everything they sell. And you and can import them right into Fusion, right? Yeah, yeah. You can That's literally amazing. click a button and like put a part number in Fusion, and it just drops right in. 
so this this like 3D model that I've been making with the sandblasting cabinet, you know, it's it's half parts that I designed, and then the rest of it is like McMaster parts just dropped in. That's amazing. Yeah, and you love shopping at McMaster, so oh, I do. I do. So <laughs> I honestly, I spend a ridiculous amount of money with them, but you know what, like. They're a little bit more expensive than if I was to go out and find like a special door handle supplier or some shit, right? But then, yeah, of course, I would spend so much time like trying to find a door handle, and then I don't have a three D model of it or anything, you know. So, yeah, I don't know what it is about that website. It's just it's about McMaster's website. Yeah, it's so easy to use. Yeah, they have everything, and they don't even tell you what it is. They're like, like okay, I was shopping for dust collectors recently. Right. And I was like, oh, just check McMaster car. I didn't end up <laughs> buying it, but it's like unbranded. Yeah, they didn't tell you the brand. Dust anything. collector. And I was like, something about it, you know, just thinking maybe McMaster car, like, you know, did their due diligence and picked a good one. I don't even know if that's true. Yeah. They could have picked a shitty one. Honestly, but... I kind of believe that they do their due diligence at this point. So I know whenever I buy a hand tool from them, it's either US made or like German made. And it's like, right. nuts, you know? Um, what, a while back, so I have a full face respirator that I use in the shop a lot, mm-hmm. and I bought cartridges for it, and they showed up, and they didn't fit on my respirator. And I was like, "What the hell? Did I order the wrong ones or something?" So I ordered another set, and they didn't fit too either. And so I contacted the master. And I was like, um, "You know, like I bought this respirator. I'm using the same part number, and I'm ordering replacement cartridges for it, mm-hmm. and they don't fit." And they were like, "Oh yeah, sorry. Like, so the parent company that made this respirator got like bought by another company." And they changed all of the threads on their cartridges to be like the, the parent companies. Uh, you know? But McMaster sent me a new full face respirator for free to fit the new cartridges. No shit. Those things are expensive. Yeah, it's like two hundred and fifty bucks US. And they just sent it to me. That's nice. You know, like That's I know good customer service. Right. And so like, yeah, I do spend I'm not their biggest client. I'm not their smallest client. You're brother, you're not platinum, but you're you're gold. Silver, silver, silver. I think silver. one year I worked it out, and I'd spent like twelve or thirteen grand. Ooh, that's brave calculating that final tally. I wouldn't <laughs> well, want to do that. I have to do it, but you know, like that's like air hoses, abrasives, yeah. hand tools, uh, you know, eye wash stations, like all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, anything that I'm not going to get from Amazon or yeah. from like a specialty supplier. Basically, we do the same thing. Like all of, uh, when I was hooking up the air to the sea, to the or from the uh, the new air compressor right. to the, the the current airlines we have in the shop into the CNC, I just went on McMaster Car. I ordered every single fitting that I needed <laughs> yeah. from them. I ordered air hose. It all um, showed up the next day. It was all here the next day, and then I and I, you know I I missed a couple things, so I put in another order. <laughs> I'm still missing some stuff, so I'm gonna put in another, another order. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's probably my favorite website. It's crazy. It, it really is crazy, and it's it's yeah, it's I don't know. I'm spoiled. Like my my parents are still in Australia, and they're like, oh, you should move back to Australia. Like it's, and I, I always think about that because the weather is nuts in Australia, <laughs> especially compared to Canada. Like yeah. we just had snow here today. It's like supposed to be spring. We had snow here, so Australia is looking pretty good right now. But then I remember that Australia doesn't have McMaster, and that just rules couldn't it do it. Yeah, yeah, can't, can't do it. Can't um, do it. yeah, no, I, I mean, that's uh, that is an unappealing feature of Australia. That <laughs> for me, the weather. I would just you don't burst, like the weather. I would burst into flames. Well, you're a genius, and so uh, yeah, and uh, and the all the deadly animals. My girlfriend and I, when we went to Australia, Remotely actually, deadly. we went looking for some deadly animals. I wanted to show her some deadly animals. <laughs> and we didn't find anything. I couldn't find her anything dangerous to show her. It's very boring. <laughs> but walking down the streets of Toronto, you're like, there's one, there's one. <laughs> <laughs> there's one getting off the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, only, if I, only if I see you. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So That's why when, you won't sell me one of your knives. Yeah, exactly enough crazy people running around with it. so i was just going to say like one thing i wanted to give a shout out to with the listeners is over the last couple of weeks i had a bunch of people contacting me just saying like giving me encouragement and saying that they like the podcast and that they want it to continue so i just wanted to give a special thanks to a couple of people um i'm just going to read some names off here real quick you can look the other way uh cameron klein scott hoadley 
Robin Israel made Lyle style on Instagram. Atraxia Guitars, you should look up that. Uh, PD Picasso, Archie Salka, and Winsong Forge. I just wanted to say a special thank you to all these people who, uh, you know, gave, there was, uh, you know, there's some backstory that I'm not going to share with a, a guest that was supposed to appear and then ghosted me. And, you know, there was a, I, there was some times in the last couple of weeks where I was just like, you know what, maybe I'll just pack it in. But, uh, yeah, it was it was really nice having people reach out saying they wanted the podcast to continue. So hopefully they still like it now that you're here. Yeah, this is my podcast <laughs> now, so they can oh, beat it. it. Yeah, right. Uh, those they sound like nice people. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those nice people have questions for us. Oh, cool. So we should have a look through. So um, Ben's bites on Instagram says, uh, "Can you provide some more information on the diamond drag knife that you recommended for Maker's Mark engraving?" I looked at some on Amazon, and the biggest complaint was that they dull quickly on glass. So I don't know if you've seen this, Nick, but the, um, there's this little tool that I use for engraving the logos on my knives, or actually serial numbers. I, for the logos, I use a chamfer tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then for serial numbers, I use this little like spring-loaded tool that doesn't rotate. It just right. drags a diamond along the steel. Yeah, that's cool. I have seen these before. Yeah, and they work really, really well. So if you that have to do some engraving. Because it must just be moving the metal out of the way. Yeah, it's just like squishing the metal. Which is, so does it leave a, an, like, um, a ridge or sort of like a, yes. an embossment? Yeah, it does leave like a little tiny raised up. I kind of like that. I kind of like, like that's a little a nice feature. Burr. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but it looks, it looks great. And I've done some engravings. Um, maybe I'll post a photo of it on the Instagram account. But I grabbed a scrap blade that had a DLC coating on it. And then I did some drag engraving through the DLC coating. So you have like mm. a bright silver that um, sounds cool. engraving you know, contrast on the black DLC. Yeah. And I was doing stuff like little flags, like little tiny Canadian flag or Australian flag, even the US flag with the little tiny stars and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole flag's not even half an inch tall. And with the diamond drag engraving, you can totally make out all the detail. Like it's super, super fine. And, and if you awesome. were to use it, your engraving like router bit or mm-hmm. end mill, would it not have that same, would not work that way? The main problem is that you have to know exactly where the surface is. If you're going to use a chamfer right. mill, like a tip of a chamfer mill, you have to like within, you know, a thousand of an inch, you have to know where the surface is. So if you're a machine, if you're engraving a surface in the same setup as where you machine that surface. So if you come in with a face mill and you make a nice flat surface and then you engrave on it, you're fine. Right. But if you have to like take the part off the machine and then put it back in, um, yeah, it can be a bit dicey. You know, like if you're trying to make like a really, really fine engraving, if you're going mm. deep like 10,000 or something, totally fine. You'll be fine. But if you're trying to do like a really fine engraving, like only a couple of thousand feet, then it can be dicey. You know, if, sure. if that material has moved a little bit after you unclamp it or whatever, then, you know. So the really nice thing about the spring-loaded tool is that it doesn't matter. You know, the part could be like 50,000 higher or 50,000 lower, and it would still engrave. And it doesn't matter even if the spring is being compressed more? No. It's not going to dig in more? Um, not with my material because it's very hard. Right. Um, so we'll have a glass. Is this going to be a... Like, so I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. So Ben's Bites says that, you know, the biggest complaint was that they dealt with on glass, but I'm not sure if he's planning to use it on glass or if just other people were and they weren't trying um, to steal it or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, That's I don't know. It's interesting. I only wonder why glass wouldn't work. Well, I know that it does because, like, they do, um, they score glass using sure. these kinds of engravers for doing, um, like, stained glass and stuff. Um, I think. So it just yeah. dulls quickly. You don't have a long tool life. But, I mean, for me, on hardened steel, I mean, so the thing is, I'm not engraving very much. I'm engraving a tiny little serial number that's, like, four characters. You know, they're uh, hundred thousandths tall characters. So, like, but for me, a tool lasts, like, two years. Wow. You know, and the replacement tools were, like, 50 bucks for the just the diamond insert, right? So, for me, it's very reasonable. But I guess if you were cutting, like, you know, a dozen feet worth of glass a day, uh-huh. then, like, who knows? So, um, Ben's Bites, like the two options that I know of that are good are the one from Toma, 
um, which is only 80 bucks. And that comes with a TTS shank, like the Tormac tooling system shank. So it's a three quarter inch diameter shank. Um, so if you've got a tool holder that you could stick that in, then that might be a cheap way to get. That's a significant uh, shank. Yeah. Well, because that's what they're supposed to use instead of their, um, like the BT30 or Cat40 or whatever, right? It's the, They have this like straight shank that get pulled oh. in against the... the oh, place. that's the shank of the, the tool holder. Yeah. So in gotcha. this case, the tool holder is actually the like engraving tool. It like, oh, all comes neat. in one piece. Yeah. Okay. Which, if you have a Tormac and you want to do engraving, then like that thing makes total sense for 80 bucks. Like, why would you do it? Because it comes with the tool holder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, for me, I chose an option that was three times as expensive and didn't come with a tool holder. Yeah. So the one that I got is from Widget Works Unlimited, and it was 180 bucks, but it's made in the US. Um, the quality is really good. I haven't had any issues with mine. And I will admit, the first time I used mine, I somehow fat fingered an offset or something, and I just like piled drove it mm. right into the vice. So like, <laughs> I um, like the there's like a, a moving bit in the middle that compresses the spring and that has the diamond on the tip of it, and I just smashed that right through the back of the tool oh, holder, no. destroyed the spring and everything. So I had to buy a new spring off McMaster. I had to get a new diamond for it the very first time I used it, but. What a um, but uh, yeah, after fixing it all, it, it, it still works. So um, yeah, so I, I definitely recommend that because I still use mine. I bought toys with, I think. So, and that you put into a Cat Forty tool holder. Yes, yeah. So that one's a half inch shank, and I just connect cool. it straight into. A, I think I have it mounted in an ER collet chuck, ER twenty five. Ah, I'm on board with the ER twenty fives now. Yeah, so Nick called me the other day and he was like, "ER32 or ER25? What do I do?" So and Aaron what test I was calling him and not saving it for the podcast. Yeah, I, I needed like, to make a decision. Write it down in the show. Notes. I'm holding a itty bitty ER25 call in my hand. Itty bitty. I guess yeah. you're used to the ER32s, which is so funny because I mean we're using ISO30 tool holders. Yeah, you're using a tiny little tool. And the biggest, well, not the biggest call it, but a significant call it. Yeah. Um, is your uh, is your router ISO thirty or ISO twenty? ISO thirty. Oh wow! Okay, it's bigger than I thought it was. It's yeah, it's not. I mean, they're not that small, but uh, compared to the Cat forty, they're adorable. Yes. Sorry, you haven't loaded up any of the twenty five things yet. I guess. Uh we did. I put like I, I uh, put in a half inch uh, end mill upside mm. down, like in reverse, for okay. probing the. Uh, so that the Haas tech could probe in the uh, tool probe, calibrate uh, the tool probe. Okay, okay. Oh, dude. Okay. So on the Maritool website, so Nick and I were talking about where you should buy tool holders and all this kind of stuff. And I said, Maritool, Maritool, Maritool. Because mm -hmm. Frank Mary, the guy that owns Maritool, is a lovely dude and he's looked after me well over the years. So I send everyone there because the prices are super reasonable and it's really good. So consider that a plug, Frank. Um, yes, and I but, na I named you when they ask uh, when I'm signed up. They say, you know, "How'd you find out about us?" And I just wrote Aaron, Aaron. off. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Everyone else should do that too, and then maybe I'll send me a free T-shirt or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Maritool actually sell precision ground um, tool setter calibration tools. Yes, yeah, in the so. and it's it's made mounted to a. A Cat 40. Yeah, it's all integral with a Cat 40 shank. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I, I wanted to buy one. Um, it, I think they might be out of stock oh, right now. It said contact them for stock. I haven't yeah. yet. Because when before we got the, the machine commissioned, I asked, do I need to provide that? Mm. And do I need to provide a ring gauge? Yeah. And the answer was, they'll do that all when they get there. So they didn't say, I took that as they'll provide it. But, well, they should. <laughs> right. They should. Which they didn't, which I was a little uh, about. They didn't bring a ring gauge, or anything? They didn't bring a ring gauge. No. They had a bearing. Which oh, that works. It works. And I was like, okay, but I'm going to go buy a ring gauge. This stuff is, it's like, you know, YouTube can teach you how to do this. There's videos on calibrating the tool probe. So I would like to buy the, the Mari tool um, probe calibrator calibration tool uh at the same time you know you can just do it with like i could even get a pin gauge and, yes and, and i actually 
I have it a tool is cheaper. Holder. Yeah, I have a yeah. tool holder that I did that too. I just put, I have a, a three eighths, uh, like set screw holder with a yeah. three eighths dowel. And I just leave that tool alone. I just have that attached. Okay, so this was my question. I was going to do this. And um, a ER call it has a collapse range from, so say if we were thinking a half inch, f- from 500, like 0.500, yeah. to 475, something yeah. like that. I'm making these numbers up. <laughs> well, yeah, the, five, like, the 500 is, is legit. Right. It's like 60,000. So yeah, so if I wanted to use a half inch pin gauge, will a half inch pin gauge, 500 thou diameter, Accurate to within a tenth, fit inside a half inch ER twenty five collet. Yes, it will because yeah. that would. It's just like, are they the exact same size? Right. That's my question. Right. Well, five hundred thou pin isn't going to fit into a five hundred thou hole. It needs to be undersized. Or yeah, the, the collets will kind of expand a little bit in my experience. Like okay. just a couple of thousands, but if you've got something, you know, like a dowel pin or whatever, that's like a couple of thousands oversized, it, in my experience, it will still fit in a ER25 half inch Well, okay, so this is the other, but so it's it says it will, it fits or five hundred thou, or is it yeah. saying it'll fit four hundred ninety nine thou? <laughs> right. No, I, I think get it a will fit four hundred ninety nine thou ring uh, pin gauge. Right. No, I think it will fit a five hundred thou. Okay, but you want to bet a twenty dollar ring gauge or pin gauge? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I guess a, uh, a half inch gauge pin's not not cheap. No, but I mean it's che- so if I'm if I'm being cheap and bootstrappy, um, a tool holder with a a pull stud and a mm-hmm. ER collet and a pin gauge is going to be eighty to a hundred dollars less than. Uh, yeah, maybe the I was also looking at another brand as well, just because this that other the other brand was in stock. You shall never speak. Um, uh, what is the name of them? No, uh, no, only plug. Maritol gets plugged. Anyways, it was two hundred sixty bucks. The Maritol one's like two hundred thirty-five, but it might yeah. not be in stock. Well, yeah, just call them. Did you call them? I haven't. I have called them to check stock before. Very nice people. Lazy bastard. <laughs> I'm I'm a busy man. I got uh, podcasts to do, and that's right. That's the max amount of time I want to spend on the phone in a day. So, should we take another listener question here? Yes, I interrupted that uh, segment. Sorry. All right. So, Rock Solid Scales on Instagram says, uh, "What implications are there for the model year of a CNC? I imagine that the controller doesn't change that much, but maybe it does." So, I don't know. I don't know how much experience you have this with this. Man. Uh, when we bought our machines, right? yeah, when we bought our Axis machine, I I asked for a reference, somebody I could speak mm. to, and they gave me the number to this guy who was really nice. He was extremely happy with his machine, but his only qualm was he bought the last machine that had the old controller, oh, okay. <laughs> and he was like, I that just felt like I got ripped off. Right, right? the next and, guy got a way better deal. Yeah, he got he got the new controller, right? right. Um, and the old controller on it was like a one bar of a, a, a screen. Right. You can only show one line one of, line of text. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So <laughs> I felt his pain. Yeah. So since then, since we bought our machine, which was, I guess, six years ago, they the only thing they changed was added a e-stop right onto the, the hand, like the, the remote handle. Which I don't think I would want that though. Why? I feel like I'd bump it. We disabled one of the e stops on it because uh, it was mal- malfunctioned. You got to stop um, saying stuff like this on the podcast, man. Why didn't you <laughs> fix the e stop? Why didn't you? Why did you disable it? Because you can just grab the the um, uh, the tool holder to stop it. <laughs> the handbrake. I'm kidding. Oh I'm my kidding. god! You're gonna um, get fired. No, I that's too that e stop is too close. There's a pause button that works. You know, I can stop the program. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's move on. I do sound bad, don't I? Yeah, you um, do sound okay. Terrible. So with the, the, the Haas control, we we got the next gen. I don't know when they came mm-hmm. out with that, but there was a, a generation before that. I yeah. don't know. Maybe they'll come out with another one 
tomorrow. They, as far as I know, they've had three generations. There was like the original one with the LCD screen, and then they had like an updated version. Sorry, original one with like the CRT screen, and then they had an okay. updated version with an LCD screen, and then they have the next gen, which is like it looks roughly the same, but it's all new inside. Yeah, um, it does look the same. And yeah. um, this newest one that we got, they just, I think they just added recently the touch screen. Oh, okay. So it's a touch screen now, which I I've, have found I mean, with my very limited time with it okay. kind of handy, but I still have was was just using the keypad and like the, the buttons. It's interesting because this goes both ways. Like it's nice to get the newest thing, but sometimes the newest thing is not well tested out yet. And I know right. that Haas, when they first released the next-gen controller, there were people in Practical Machinists especially that were like really shit-canning this controller because they'd gotten a brand-new machine that had this controller on it, and it would just do crazy, unpredictable stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was one guy that said like the machine would be sitting there doing nothing, and then suddenly it would just like launch itself at the rapid, you know, six inches to the right. You know, yeah, like, I heard somebody about their Z plunging right down. Right. That's not something you want to see happening on a uh-uh. brand new, you know, hundred thousand dollar machine, right? So yeah, in some cases like getting an older control that was well proven out could be kind of a nice thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably. You might lose some of the features that they've added, but yeah. Um... So yeah, specifically in answer to this to this question from Rock Solid Scales, I know for a fact that there are a couple of controls that you do want to avoid. So the older horses that have the CRT screens, they had a particular type of CPU called a cold fire, and that's no longer made, and Haas have discontinued support for that control system. So now, if you get one of those machines and then like one chip fails, the only thing that Haas will tell you is that you have to replace the whole control with an upgrade for like 15 grand. Oof. Yeah, so I, I think there are some third-party companies that do like board level repairs on those machines um, to try and fix that issue. And I know other people have started like, you know, their control dies, so they retrofit it with something else rather than paying Haas the 15 I I don't know. I, in that situation, I'd probably go and pay Haas <laughs> personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like that might be an issue. So like Haas with CRT screens are kind of risky. Um, and then for Fidal's, so Fidal had two main controls. Well, three. Well, four. They had the the 88, they had the 88HS, they had the 32MP, and then they had <clears throat> the 104 something or other. And the 104 control was like horrible. It, like, it was like getting recalled when, when Fidal went out of business. Like it was really, really bad. So like if you find a machine that has that, don't get it. <laughs> the 32MP and the 88HS are basically the same, except the 32MP had like an extra computer in there, like a DOS computer, so you could like load files on from the extra computer. And then the 88 is like the snail version of the 88HS. It's really too slow for modern use. So yeah, there are some things that you should avoid, but like, I don't know, you have to really play it case by case on which. What does yours have? Mine has the 88HS, so okay. 88 high speed. Right. Um, and I can totally run like, you know, modern toolpaths coming out of Fusion 360, like doing adaptive clearing, all that kind of stuff. No, no problem with that. Um, it's not as fast as like a brand new machine would be. I do. So when I'm doing 3D contouring, if I'm doing a section that ends up being broken up into a lot of tiny arcs or a lot of tiny straight lines, then I will see some stuttering. Um, and it's actually not because the control can't keep up. It's because the I have like a uh, a little widget installed that lets me transfer data from the USB stick to the the machine over serial. Because this thing doesn't have like a USB port or an SD port. Right, of course not. <laughs> so it takes a floppy disk. Yeah, seriously. Well, one of mine actually has the hole for the floppy disk in it. Oh no! Uh... Yeah, but that serial connection isn't fast enough to keep up sending the data at the rate that it would need to for like some of the modern toolpaths that are doing like really fine detailed 3D contouring. But I do a lot of 3D contouring still. So yes, long-winded answer. How do you upload um, uh, like um, Rick and Morty episodes? (laughs) Oh, you saw that one. eh? 
<laughs> so I, I that's actually on the screen itself. So I replaced the LCD screen on my um, on my Fidal. And I'm pretty sure that LCD screen has more processing power than the Fidal does. <laughs> because I can plug a USB screen, a stick into the back of the LCD screen and then play like MP4 video files directly that's, on the screen. Yeah. That's hilarious. That screen is great. I have, it's so funny. Like if you buy an off the shelf screen replacement for a Fidal, it's like 800 bucks or like 600 bucks US. It's crazy. So I found this like screen that's designed as like an industrial monitor for like security applications and stuff on AliExpress, 120 bucks US delivered in like two weeks and works perfectly. Unreal. Yeah. That's wicked. I actually did put a post about if anyone else has a Fidal that needs a new screen, I made a post on Fractal just about that. So if you just search my name or just Fidal, cheap Fidal screen replacement, you'll find it. It was, so, it was so easy. It happened to be just the exact right size to bolt into the existing bezel. That's crazy. Like it had even the right, uh, the, the, the screw holes were in the same place? No, I kind of like, it has like um, a bracket on the back of the screen and I like unscrewed that and then put the bezel of the the CNC in between the bracket and the screen and then like screw okay. it back to clamp it in place. You jammed so, it in. I jammed it in. Yeah. So if you like <laughs> grab the screen and like you can move it around if you really like you know, refine it, but it works. Good enough, as they say. Good enough. And you would never tell, honestly. Like unless you like grab the screen and start refining it, which you know, please don't. <laughs> Actually I might do that to your, your machine when I come see it. Grab the screen and refine it? Just refine it. Yeah, I mean, how else are you going to know if it's good or not? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited for when I get to come check that machine out at some point. Yes, same. Um, it'll be interesting to get your take on it. Well, it's shiny and new. I'm going to say it's lovely. <laughs> I'll put a bow on it for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, on that note, I think we're uh, at a natural close to this episode. Um, I very much enjoyed it, mate. It's always good to catch up with you, and I hopefully we'll be catching up and talking about more exciting stuff for many weeks to come. I'll look forward to it. Yeah. And I hope everyone is listening looks forward to it too. Please send us questions if you have them, uh, suggestions, feedback. Tell Nick you hate his ginger face or whatever you want. <laughs> My <laughs> stupid voice. <laughs> it's weird listening to yourself, isn't it? It is weird. I felt I did feel like a psychopath listening to the last episode. <laughs> it's okay. Listening I do it every myself. Week, so we can we can but you are a psychopath. So. Yes, obviously. <laughs> well, I hope everyone has a lovely week, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.